What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, August 25th, episode 169. And today I have Nick Emmons. He is the CEO of Upshot. At Upshot, they're taking NFTs and they're creating a an appraisal process that will allow you to get a real-time value for your NFTs. And in the future, you'll be able to leverage those NFTs and borrow against them, use the value locked inside, and so much more. It's a really fascinating topic with what they're doing. So go check out the episode and subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about Blockchain Upshot and Nick Emmons. Enjoy. All right, Nick, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast Live. How are you doing today? What's up? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So where are you from? Uh, I'm from Boston. You yeah. like Boston? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I grew up in Boston, so I've I've kind of uh, I've seen everything there is to see, and uh, it's okay. It's it's just an okay place. Are you feel Are you going to relocate somewhere else? Or yeah, yeah, I'm I'm planning on heading to New York or possibly LA in the next couple of weeks. Just kind of bouncing around. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, LA and New York are definitely very expensive. Um, I don't know if I'd want to live there, but I I went to college in LA. It's it's a beautiful city. Yeah, yeah, I, I love both of those cities. Where where are you based? I'm in Medellin, Colombia. Um, at nice. least half the year. The other half the year, I'm from Las Vegas. Um, oh, nice! It's another crazy place. Um, I I spend a lot of time in Vegas. Actually, I'm there every other week. So it's, why are you there nice. every other week? Uh, you know, a lot of friends in Vegas. We're doing some some stuff in Vegas. So uh, yeah, I love Vegas. Well, that's a great excuse to go out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, you can't get bored in Vegas. It is one of the most fast placed, fast paced places I've I've ever been. Yeah, yeah, I love Vegas. Okay, cool. So, Nick, tell me more about you. I want to hear about your backgrounds. Um, you know, other than like Boston, whatnot, where you live. Like, how did you get into crypto? Um, how did you start? How did you get to where you are now? Just give me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I got. I first kind of got exposed and got into crypto, I guess, in like 2013. I was in high school, um, just kind of fell off the deep end. I was uh, really like I was just kind of focused on uh, software engineering at the time, taking a lot of sort of like online classes through kind of like various open coursewares. Um, and so was into sort of the engineering side of it. After, after high school, I just kind of uh, like stayed in it as I was uh, like building a career as a software engineer, essentially. Um, and then at the beginning of 2018, I joined John Hancock and Manulife, two of the largest um, life insurance companies in the U.S. and Canada, to lead their blockchain engineering. And uh, that's where we created the, the first public blockchain project done by a large institution at the time. This was before a lot of Facebook stuff. This was before uh, EY stuff. This is when the trend was blockchain, not Bitcoin. Everyone was focused on consortium change at the institutional level. And um, we created a, a sort of decentralized risk pooling protocol on public Ethereum. Um, yeah. And so that's that's kind of uh, what my path up to Upshot was. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. So it seems like you've had a little bit of experience in the, in the field already leading up to Upshot. Was there anything that got you into crypto that was like, like a, an important point in your life? Like, did you like buy Bitcoin and have a realization, or did you get obsessed with NFTs? I've heard all kinds of stories. Was it like a single moment where you're like, oh, I want to be in this space? 
I don't think there was a single moment for me. I, I think it was just this, this like higher level implication of the sort of drastic restructuring of power structures or, or kind of reimagining of power structures that sort of the the blockchain and crypto more broadly uh, brings forth. And that's that's really what kind of got me excited, keeps me excited in the space and uh, why I'm here kind of. Nice. Yeah, it's it's such a fast evolving space. So much going on all the time. Um, so many moving parts. It's exciting just in general. And I, I love being a part of it and learning new things. And I learn things every single day. Um, and I'm talking to people all the time yeah. and I can't keep up with it. It's crazy. Yeah, there's new stuff happening every day. It's impossible not to, to get inundated with new facts on a, on a daily basis. You know, exactly. Uh, speaking of new stuff, tell me about Upshot. So what, what is it that you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, so um, I'll start with sort of the NFT focus and we can get into like the broader aims of Upshot in a little bit. But essentially what we're building is a, a kind of crowdsourced NFT appraisal platform. Um, NFTs are these types of assets that are obviously very difficult to price. I think that's sort of like the biggest woe from a, a UX perspective and just what's limiting the sort of design space or adoption of NFTs is they're just difficult to price. And what we identified is that this is kind of due to some innate properties in the types of assets they are primarily in that they are both non-fungible and low velocity, which means they don't change hands very often. And that means that the open market has a difficult time pricing them efficiently. Um, and when you look to similar types of assets in the, in the real world, you see things like real estate and physical art, other non-fungible low velocity assets relying uh, somewhat heavily on the use of appraisals to kind of create efficient pricing mechanisms for them. And what, like the problem there is why we can't bring that one-to-one -one into the space is that that relies on identity, on firms, on reputation. And we're living in a pseudonymous environment that, that can't support those, those sort of primitives uh, naturally. Um, and so what we've built is sort of at a lower level, a, a general purpose kind of question and answer protocol that incentivizes different people in a pseudonymous environment to answer subjective questions, honestly. And that kind of is what powers the entire uh, NFT appraisal platform. How do you guys go about appraising an NFT? Um, like, do you guys have a specific process you go through for doing that? Or do you um, look at other metrics to, to help make that judgment call? Or what's the general idea behind it? I would say our main focus is building the platform and the sort of foundation for any NFT appraiser to uh, leverage their processes. And, and what we're really trying to do is build an efficient and robust kind of subjective consensus mechanism that brings together many different insights from different appraisers using different processes and boil it down into a single sort of appraised price point. Um, so that, that, that's what I'd say our main focus is where we are um, kind of building models to act as appraisers within the system ourselves. And they, they are, um, they, they rely on, on sort of different features, I guess, when, when pricing NFTs based on the type of NFT it is, for example, a collectible, what really matters is the combination of traits and how rare that combination of traits are. But for art, like one of, one of ones and things like this, what really matters more than anything when pricing, um, a piece of art is the, collectors who own the other pieces by that artist you know it's it's the sort of artist's 
uh, collection of work with regard to the collectors that have bought their pieces before that determine what the price of, of future pieces are going to be worth. Um, and so it, it depends on sort of the category of NFT for our own models, but we're really trying to build this kind of general purpose platform for appraisals. Yeah. So if it was like an art-based NFT, would you look more or less at the relevancy of the artist in the industry um, and uh, how well-known they are? Or would you also look at like what Christie's does, for example, in terms of their appraisal process and stuff, and then putting that together to help give a better appraisal and price point for something? Yeah, that's exactly right. We're trying okay. to get as many kind of, I guess, expert insights um, in the appraisal process to, to really allow us to take the best parts of everyone's appraisal processes and boil it into one, one kind of data point. Okay. So you guys mostly focus on art, collectibles, trading cards, whatever might be in the space, or also like tokenized assets, like under NFTs, like potentially real estate or something like that being um, uh, represented by an NFT. Yeah. So the nice way, the nice thing about how we've sort of designed the system is that we can sort of span all of the potential categories of NFTs without any sort of redesigning or restructuring of the system in different parts. Essentially, we just need to identify new experts for new categories and we can support uh, a wildly kind of different or new category as we get into more, I guess, financial assets being represented as, a, as NFTs or commodities or things like this. In the immediate term, I, I'd say we're most focused on collectibles and generative art because I think that's where we're seeing the sort of fastest rate of innovation happening in the NFT space. And in my opinion, we're seeing sort of the most exciting experimentation being done in the NFT space right now. But we're also building um, so, some robust tooling for sort of art NFTs as well. These one of ones, these, these more bespoke creations that are created by individuals and not kind of generative or collectible in nature or kind of trait based in nature. Can you also list on Upshot or is it just like a purely appraisals and then you can take it back to somewhere like OpenSea or Rarible? Yeah, we're right now we're focused on building sort of the, I guess, information uh, marketplace or the information kind of hub for NFTs. So uh, building out robust analytics apps and, and uh, analytics tools for sort of analyzing the different traits of NFTs. Uh, we're, we're exploring different ways to sort of bundle the interactions one would take with NFTs, buying, selling, transferring, etc., all kind of within the, the sort of suite of products we're building. But right now we're really focused on just providing the cleanest and most robust data to, to kind of end users of, of NFTs. Would you guys like to list NFTs at some point and just have it like on your own platform? Is that like a potential future plan? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. If, if we become the home where people go to, to make a buying or selling decision around NFTs. It would it'd be very convenient if there was a button right there that allows them to do so or allows them to enter more exotic kind of financial uh, positions at the sort of intersection of DeFi and NFTs. That's something we're really focused on. So allowing people to create index funds with uh, of sort of NFTs and create a synthetic position that represents exposure to the NFTs in that index fund, not requiring NFTs to physically be locked up, but just exposing uh, uh, kind of, I guess, financial exposure to these things through price feeds and through backing these, these uh, kind of price feeds with capital. So we're, we're really interested in kind of exploring the intersection of demand NFTs and building products around that.
Yeah. When you say the intersection between DeFi and NFTs, what do you mean exactly? Because I know those are two different things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I, I kind of see the the landscape of the crypto space is over the past year and a half, these two sort of core pillars have, have reached a level of maturation that they've been moving towards for the past several years. And those two pillars are DeFi and NFTs. And what they've brought us um, respectively is DeFi has brought us the sort of ability to put different money Legos together. It's shown us the sort of power and rate of innovation that's possible when we have a permissionless composable system of different financial primitives. Now, the downside with that is that we're limited to a, like a fairly finite set of assets to actually build financial products with. They have to be fungible. They have to be liquid. Um, they don't allow us to gain exposure to more bespoke or, or exotic financial positions. And what NFTs, on the other hand, have, have brought us is quite literally the possibility to or the ability to tokenize anything. Now we can bring anything we want, whether it be in the real world, whether it exists solely in the metaverse, whether it be a bespoke financial asset um, onto the blockchain. And what it, uh, it essentially doesn't allow us to do is it, it like it doesn't solve the problem of, of liquidity, of being able to kind of efficiently interact with these tokenized things. And it's really at the intersection when these two pillars begin to interact, when a bridge begin, begins to form between them, that we can start to create really sort of exotic and uh, expressive financial instruments, things that exist in the real world, bonds, annuities, things like this, but also potentially entirely novel financial assets that are only possible because of the sort of permissionless setting that we're building all of these tools with. So, yeah. What do you think about DeFi just in general? Like it's, it's a really interesting space and it can get really deep and technical, but um, it's, um, I don't know. I, I love it. That I again. There's so much new stuff in the space all the time, but I feel like it's always like revolving around like DeFi and NFTs too. But like DeFi's always got like some new solution and some new project and some new food based swap. And um, <laughs> yeah, do you have an opinion on the space? I I think that speaks to really the power of permissionless composability. Now the the sort of gatekeepers of innovation which are these kind of inherently slow mu slow moving bureaucratic entities that are extremely sort of finite in number have melted away into these protocols that anyone can plug together and leverage however they see um, useful and so what happens then is we have this extremely sort of efficient uh labor market and experimentation setting where new protocols can be made without anyone's permission and new new innovations can kind of spring forward at a, a rate that is far faster than what's possible with the kind of prior institution-led environment that most of our financial systems kind of lived within. So it's really just allow us to pour gasoline on the fire of financial innovation, which is, is very powerful, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's... um. It's definitely putting a lot of pressure on centralized financial bodies right now. And it's a lot better and solves a lot of problems in a lot simpler ways. So I, I do think that there's a bit of a disruption there and it's um, becoming pretty apparent and very excited about where that part of the space goes. Um, also, same question. What do you think of, you know, where NFTs are at currently and like where do you think the future of NFTs are going? Um, like what can they evolve into? 
Yeah, I mean, we're definitely in a bit of a hype cycle right now, but I, I think it's showing us what the sort of level of even in the like these early days of the NFT space can be in the sort of ma for mainstream users. It's it's been a very useful tool for bringing huge amounts of people that have never been exposed to crypto before into the space. And I think it, it will act as sort of this this gateway device for people to begin to get exposed to DeFi and DAOs and these other really kind of powerful and interesting primitives that are uh, a bit, I, I guess, a bit deeper into the crypto space. I think we'll start to see things cool down a little bit with PFP projects and collectible projects. I think we'll start to see utility sort of stapled on to the, the winning collectible projects and PFP projects. Like we'll see more, uh, I guess, DeFi integrations with some of the blue chips like CryptoPunks, like Bored Apes. Like, and I think what we'll start to see uh, a large amount of resources and focus kind of pour into over the coming months and years is building this robust bridge between DeFi and NFTs. We really can sort of realize the full vision of what is possible with decentralized finance and crypto when we combine permissionless composability with the ability to tokenize anything. And so that's where I see a lot of the NFT space going. We'll start to see much more utility be injected into it, much more, I guess, like inherently financial assets be tokenized as NFTs um, and different sort of DeFi protocols interact with those more exotic financial assets. Yeah, so you think tokenization will definitely be like the direction it ends up going in the future, whether it's tokenizing a, a financial asset or security potentially or a physical asset in the real world. Um, you think that's probably the overall direction? Yeah, I think that's that's a part of what DeFi X NFTs looks like. I, I think there's also financial assets that sort of need to be represented as NFTs, but don't necessarily constitute a, a kind of instance of tokenization. I think a decent early example of this is Uniswap V3's liquidity uh, LP tokens being represented as NFTs. We're able to achieve that level of sort of uh, uh, capital efficiency in AMMs now because we, they've, they've began representing LP positions as NFTs, which allow people to enter in different ranges with their liquidity. And this is, a, I think, a really strong example of where NFTs meet DeFi to yield immense gains in terms of capital efficiency or, or sort of uh, financial exposure, things like that. Got it. So if I had a really cool NFT, let's say I had some 12-bit pixel crypto punk that I bought for a million dollars. If I wanted to get that appraised, like, what would the process be if I came to you guys with my little CryptoPunk NFT? What, mm -hmm. what, would, I, what would I do? What process do I go through? Um, how does it work exactly? Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll be standing up a sort of like we're building out a suite of, I guess, sub apps within the like next release of the Upshot system in the coming weeks that will allow you to come with any NFT in your collection and essentially just get it appraised. And the way we're building this, this sort of improved ask app is you'll get a price immediately for it just based on historical appraisals of related uh, NFTs to the one you're getting appraised. And that will go through the sort of appraisal process to have that, that price then verified. And you can pay for this uh, appraisal in a variety of ways um, based on sort of the, the kind of supply and demand of the appraiser markets and you'll get a sort of verified price that has gone through this kind of manual appraisal process anywhere from a few hours to a few days later. But 
the the kind of nice thing of, of this new format is it will quote you a price immediately for the asset in most instances unless it's a like a, a very new collection or it's a very kind of niche collection what about like a rolling appraisal like what if you had something that was popular um or something that was getting popular because you buy some nfts sometimes and you know one month ahead before it's like worth something and then a month later, all of a sudden, it's super popular and worth a ton more. Yeah. Is there a way to like have it appraised like multiple times, like over like maybe once a day or once a week or something, to get an updated price? If something's like becoming more popular, more volatile, more people are interested in it, um, and then I guess maybe you guys could create a market around that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the more popular and like higher volume nfts will sort of require that level of of frequency and reappraising and so yeah that, that's a, that's like built in very natively into the system and what it sort of allows us to do is create these close to real-time price feeds for different collections if we're having the same nft appraised every hour every day whatever it may be we can now create price feeds that update without requiring the given nft to change hands at all which is sort of required with with other assets for those those kind of price feeds to take form so when we can create recurring appraisals for nfts we've created close to real-time price feeds for nfts and that is sort of sort of the missing piece for enabling many of the exciting DeFi x nft innovations that are to be had and so yeah that's, that's a very core focus of what we're doing do you have a favorite NFT or a favorite collection? I mean, it's hard not to love CryptoPunks. I, I think the like CryptoPunks are sort of the Bitcoin of the NFT space and that they are the first. They are sort of the the most memed and they're going to be here forever. I think Bored Apes, Mebits, um, some Art Blocks collections, um, those are all really interesting too. I, I think there will be a small set of blue chip collectible NFTs and many of these newer collections will sort of fade away into obscurity. Even if they, these newer collections are experimenting with utility in different ways or, or kind of community engagement in different ways, what we'll find in my opinion is much of that utility and community engagement and experimentation in those fields kind of be stapled onto the, the blue chip NFT collections. So, that's what I'm. I'm kind of most interested in just the, the blue chips that have longevity that have experienced uh, immense amount of growth up to this point. Got it. I, I like the OG ones as well. The ones that have been around the longest. Um, and I think for some reason those just sell out the fastest, or I don't know, go up in value the most. Yeah, a punk uh, is always first, a good investment. Was it Crypto Punks or Crypto Kitties that came first? I think it was Punks. Really? Yeah, because Punks came before. Uh, the 721 standard was was adopted, and I believe CryptoKitties were after. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. It's It's been so long. It's been a solid, what, five or six years? <laughs> it feels like so long in crypto. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. But it's cool to see sort of this, this like, state of this dormant state that NFTs have sat in for these these several past years past several years and now to see them sort of surge what the time like why now they've surged i think is is anyone's guess so it's interesting to see those sort of i guess like almost 
tangential market activities kind of flood into NFTs. I think a lot of it's just led by a macro bull run, by people making a lot of money off DeFi summer and needing to push, like to deploy that capital into other types of assets. Probably there's some influence of celebrities getting into NFTs and bringing in, I guess, more mainstream retail users into this space. Um, but it's interesting to see NFTs now having their day after being around for so long. Yeah, I credit it a lot to that celebrity promotion, especially mm -hmm. in the sports world with athletes. Yeah, um, that, that's been off the hook lately um, in the spring and right now, too. I was on Odell Beckham's Twitter page and he has a CryptoPunk as his profile photo now. Nice. Um, Buster Rhymes is talking about Bitcoin. Like, it's just like everyone's talking about it at this point. And it's, it feels weird because it was so dormant for, you know, a good three, maybe four years. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Now it's like if you don't have like an NFT, like you're you're missing out. You're not cool anymore. Or yeah. if you don't have a CryptoPunk and then you're not, you know, special. It's it's mm -hmm. like everyone's buying them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And even institutions now getting into it with Visa buying their first yeah. CryptoPunk uh, yesterday. That's a massive step forward for the entire space. You know, it's institutional money that will act as this robust foundation for the, the space to continue to grow and for adoption to continue to surge. So it's really encouraging to see stuff like that. Absolutely. It's uh, it's fun to see where it's going and very excited for the overall future of it. Um, yeah. In terms of the future what's the what's the plan look like for um for you guys going forward what's the roadmap like what do you guys want to accomplish by the end of the year going into next year do you guys have like a, a plan or a timeline put together yeah so we have this suite of products that we're going to be releasing in sort of a rolling fashion over the coming weeks into the coming months um that will sort of build this I guess like end-to-end -end experience around NFTs and information around NFTs with the analytics app that'll be going out, the sort of more robust appraisal app and, and um, I guess ask app where you'll, where you'll come and actually like request to have your NFTs appraised and then shift much of our focus once that the groundwork is laid to building out the intersection of DeFi and NFTs. We're particularly focused on building out NFT synthetics, which is uh, allowing people to essentially gain exposure to NFTs by entering, I guess, synthetic positions of NFTs, similar to how synthetics, the protocol works with, with various assets. You can do the same thing with NFTs. All that's required to build a synthetic version of an asset or a synthet synthetic representation of an asset is uh, regularly updating and reliable price feed for that asset and some arbitrary pool of capital backing that synthetic position. And since we're creating these close to real-time price feeds for NFTs, we can enable people to sort of leverage the capital that they have in NFTs in, in much more robust and efficient ways. Up to this point, all of the capital that sort of exists in NFTs is, is unproductive capital. I can't take out leverage very efficiently against most of my NFTs or any of my NFTs for the most part. I can't um, I can't leverage that capital usefully. So we're really interested in, in kind of seeing how we can efficiently leverage the capital that's kind of held in NFTs. Um, that's, that's where our focus is. Yeah, that's very exciting. I want to be able to leverage the capital in my crypto punks and crypto kitties and, and use that for yeah. things. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do you guys have a Upshot community where like on t discord or telegram where people are chit chatting about this stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, we're we're on Discord, um, just at at uh, the, the the Discord URL, whatever it is, and uh, probably Discord.gg slash Upshot, and then uh, we're on Twitter as well at Upshot HQ. Those are like the the two main forums. Cool. I'll be sure to put a lot of that stuff in the show notes so people know where to find it and how to participate. Um, this cool. is a good place to wrap up. Nick, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk about Upshot. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it again in the future. Stay on for just a second so I can talk to you. Um, otherwise, talk again soon.